This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you today? I'm doing great. And joining us in studio again this morning, Mr. Lou Franceschetti. Lou, of course, uh, former Toronto Maple Leaf, former Buffalo Sabre, and uh, I guess the place where he... uh, Spent most of his NHL career was the Washington Capitals. Good morning, Lou. Morning, Wally. Naz, how is everything going today? <laughs> before we get into it, uh, the, the boys here had a very spirited discussion uh, off the air before we started. I just want to let our listeners know what, uh, what may, what's coming uh, on the show today, and I'm really thrilled about this, Naz. Perhaps I'll turn it over to you. You've done most of the digging, and you've made all the contacts. I want you to tell our listeners who's going to be joining us. After the break at 9.15, we have Hall of Fame coach. And former Buffalo Bill coach, Marv Levy. And he will be talking about the Chicago Cubs, his favorite team. And that will be after the uh, 9-15 break. Certainly looking forward to that. Former Bill's legendary coach in Montreal, Alouettes, Marv Levy. 91 years young, I believe. And uh, that should uh, should be thrilled to all our listeners. Just in case you're a little bit uh, off track this morning, a friendly reminder that the clocks changed last night. So... Uh, it is now 9.07 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, if I'm That's not right. mistaken. They sound like Brian Williams. <laughs> so uh, clocks, the clocks changed. It's a, a beautiful day outside. It's bright and sunny. And uh, it's time of the show. I usually tell our listeners what I'm faced with in studio, and I'm faced with a lot of red this morning, uh, or maroon or burgundy or whatever you guys call that color. I'm staring at Naz Marchese, and he's wearing his rolled tight sweatshirt and his Toronto Maple Leaf uh, cap. And uh, Mr. Lou Franceschetti, he's wearing Alabama. And uh, really, really quickly, I'll let you guys, uh, uh, you know, bring us up to speed on all things down in Alabama. Well, they won 10 nothing uh, yesterday in a defensive struggle, but they did win the game. It looks like they can win both ways, high-scoring games and low-scoring games. Well, more or less, it just shows you that uh, defenses uh, win championships. Not only uh, did they dominate uh, Leonard Fournette, who is a uh, consensus uh, Heisman Trophy candidate the last two years, going into the game, he ran, I think, for 300 and some odd yards uh, two weeks ago. Um, And last night, they had limited him to uh, 17 carries for 35 yards for a guy that averages usually 160 to 180 yards a game, which... uh, Shows you how easily that uh, a game can turn and how well they dominated the game last night on the defensive side. Anyways, gentlemen, uh, being a fighting Irish fan, Notre Dame fan, I have absolutely nothing to add to this discussion, so I'm going to change it. Uh, it's been a horrible they season. They were beat by Navy yesterday. Uh, it was. It's been a horrible season for the for the Golden Domers. So uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to quickly change the topic.
topic, and I'm going to put my Rudy movie into into. I'm going to mothball it till next year. Anyways, there was some old time hockey last night down at the Air Canada Center. The only the only uh, the only uh, people that didn't show up were the Hanson brothers. Uh, things got apparently well, ugly. Vancouver does have a Hanson. It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't one of them. Though. It wasn't the Hansons from the what was the name of that movie? In Slapshot. The, Slapshot. Uh, Paul Newman. Uh, uh, certainly, things. Uh, uh, got a little bit out of hand at the Air Canada Centre last night, Naz, and uh, certainly a little bit of um, controversy in terms of the behaviour of one specific Toronto Maple Leaf by the name of Nazem Kadri, who may be looking at uh, some disciplinary uh, actions from the NHL this week. Uh, uh, Lou, what's, uh, what's Kadri staring at? I think he's probably staring at an, an excess of more than five games, only because he's a multiple uh, offender. Uh, and, and just I should have, I should have uh, perhaps you can uh, we should, for those listeners that didn't actually watch the game last night, what 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 episode uh, of Nazem Kadri? Uh, what did he do last night? The Naz, perhaps you can, both of you guys can. Well, there were, there uh, offer were, your assessment of what happened. Explain exactly what happened. Well, there were two plays in the one and in the one. There was one with Riley hitting uh, Hanson at center ice, and that was a to me that was a collision, right? That was a collision at center. The one that Kadri, Kadri looks to me like Matt Cook. Matt Cook used to play played that way a lot of his career. Do you agree? Well, I, I, you know what? It, it's not necessarily Matt Cook because Matt Cook can back uh, his actions up. It was more or less. It was an incident where you got, uh, especially one of the better players in the National Hockey League in the last 15 years, Daniel Sedin, going down. Uh, and just after he releases his shot, you can see Kadri come in and uh, blindsiding him, targeting uh, his head with his shoulder or his forearm. And from my perspective, I actually thought he left his feet maybe an inch or so uh, to target his head. And it, it, this league has got to... It, it's all to protect the players. And you, 15, 20 years ago... As Donald S. Cherry would say, that play he would not have survived uh, the rest of the game because you've got to you got to stand up for your actions. And last night, uh, he even said it himself. Uh, he says, oh, "Oh, what have I done?" Because he was waiting for some for Hanson to go to go after him. Because there was there was no way he should follow through on a hit like that, especially after he's released the puck from the from the position that he was in to to back check on uh, on Sadine. There's two parts of this I want to address. Um... Nazem Kadri, um, he's 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 one of the few players, uh, and and this is a part of his game that sometimes we like is that he play, he does play with a little bit of an edge, he does play with a little bit of sandpaper, it, you know it forces the other team to keep their heads up, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. The problem with Nazem is he has these mental lapses every now and then, and he does things like last night that are just in today's NHL or in any NHL. Let's, let's not kid yourself. Uh, you know, he's dangerous. We call them brain cramps. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. And sometimes these brain cramps can cause somebody else a career-ending injury. It happens, right? I mean, in today's NHL, they're so sensitive about concussions and brain hits and, and he gets these, you know, I don't know how many times, two or three or four or five times a season. And, 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 and just like what's going through his mind that he can't control himself? You know, the, the, the issue is, you know, hitting Sedin of all people. Of all people. Sedin, and that's going to bring me to my next point. Go ahead. Finish your point, issue, Right. If it was Dorsett 
Yes, yeah. there's still be talk about it, but not like this. But you're starting uh, 36 a, a years class, old. And a class guy. And, you know, the Sedins are not dirty hockey players. You know, they're, they're just, they're NHL stars. They've been in the league for 15. They're respected. There's nobody, there's very, there's, I don't, I, I can't think you can find one person who's ever going to say anything bad about the Sedins in terms of, okay, you know, you may criticize their performance at times or whatever. I won't, I, you know. Uh, but they're classy gentlemen, and and this and and this goes back to something happened in the NHL. I don't know when, uh, but in the old NHL, you didn't go after guys like like the Sedins. And Lou, you played in the '80s and the early '90s. I'm 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 even thinking back to the days of Dave Keon and Henri Richard and Roger Bear. And and these types of guys, they you know they they played hockey in a certain ways, but the goons never went after these guys, right? The goons never went after Dave Kahn, if you even want to call them goons in the end. But look, look what happened last night. Right? Matt Martin goes after that young rookie defenseman afterwards. What right? is he doing doing that? And, like, and, and it was back and forth, back and, and forth. And, and Lou, I want you to chime in on this. You know, you played in the eighties and the nineties. Uh, was there a code in the eighties or nineties that you know what? The battles were among certain guys on the teams, but you know what? The stars, I'm not going after them because if I go after them, I'm going to have to pay a price, right? You're going to get your head clocked. You know, name some of the stars from your era that, you know, Gretzky or... Lemieux. <laughs> no, Lemieux, Lemieux's a big guy. Uh, you know, maybe some of the less physically uh, uh, robust guys. I mean, was there a code that, you know what? You don't go after these guys, no, there really. You tell me. You know what? I'm not sure if there was a code on on us. Uh, you know, there was role players back then, but the role players stuck with, against the role players. And the way we looked at it was, we didn't want the role players going after the star players. You know, it's a it's an eye for an eye. You know, if you go after our star player, then we'll get some of our players to go after your star players. And what it was is, the games we stepped on the ice, it was a war. So anytime we and the war started with. Uh, myself against, let's say, a Bob McGill against a Todd Gill, uh, guys like that. And what what happens was we took care of things on the ice. We didn't have to wait for the league to take care of it. We knew that if uh, if a Nazem Kadri uh, hit last night on, on Daniel Sedin happened, it was going to be taken care of right there and then. The league didn't have to step in, and and that's the code that that the National League had. Now now the players are protected so much by the league. This league is turning into more or less, it's, it, I'm not going to call it a pansy league, but there's no hitting. And I've talked to my colleagues, uh, guys that I've played with uh, in the last 20 years and guys that have just recently retired. That's the way the National Hockey League wants this game to be played. The, the O'Reilly hit, it was, it was an, it was, I don't say if it was an accident. But it was, I think it, maybe Hansen tried to get out of the way and he got on, in the middle of it. But the Nezenkai, you could see him targeting... Uh, Sedin right from the blue line in. Now, you're talking about the job that he did. I'll give full kudos to to Caddy for the job that he did on McDavid on Tuesday night because he stuck to him. He was in his back pocket the whole night and really uh, threw him off his game. But now you got to look at Edmonton. If you want that kid to play a solid game and he's your number one player, why don't they get somebody to go out and talk to Kadri? That's, and Lucic had every opportunity, but didn't do it. That yeah, night. They, like, they, like they didn't really do anything. Vancouver doesn't have that kind of player, and Toronto doesn't have a kind of player. So I'm not going to be surprised that maybe 10 or 15 games down the road, that guys are going to start taking a run at Marner. They're going to start taking a run at Nylander because the Leafs. Who do they got? Matt Martin and Roman Polak. I I, I was talking to somebody yesterday that 
uh, one of the games that one of the guys uh, on one of the teams, and I'm not going to mention a team or a player, actually went up to Babcock and says, Babcock, nice bunch of wusses you have on this ice. Because they, they're, they're small, talented, very skilled, but they're, they don't want no part of the physical part of the game. Now, Kadri's last night was an access to, to him being a, having a brain cramp. But it's just one of those things that if you're not willing to back it up, you got to watch out. Yeah, I, now, think, I think what's happened to Kadri is he's taken it a step too far in this whole checking thing. Like well, he did a great this, job against McDavid. Yeah, he did, he did, but he took this he's a little a too pe- far yesterday. Well, he's he's the ultimate pest. And I like he's, he's Linsman. I like he's Linsman with he's, he's, with, not, with, he's not Linsman. No, huh? he, he's, he's Linsman with with uh, an erupt or with a brain cramp every now and then. Well, yeah, is what he is. He's and, a pest. I mean, he's, he's a, a pest. He's at a 35 goal pace. Right. He's got six goals. He's tied with. And there was some. There was some. And we've got to go to break, Nats, because I know we've got Marv Levy uh, coming on, and uh, we certainly want to chat with him. But there was one stat. you got to take me back last you, – you're good with stats, Naz, and you dug it up last year. and He draws yeah, the most penalties, draws out of, the anybody most penalties the of anybody in the league. Nazem Kadri. You know what? He, he does his job. Yeah. And, and it's plain and simple. It's just that – he gets uh, he gets on their other, other people's, people's skin. skin. Yeah, and that's yeah. not necessarily a bad quality. That's why they signed him to a five or six year that's deal. Not at, a at, bad at the, no, it's not a bad quality. But you've got to play that way every single game. Yeah, yeah. They, he has to taper it down, and he'll be he'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's scoring, and you know the Leafs. I'm looking at the, the, the three lines they have. They're scoring all yeah. over the place. Marner, it's so well balanced. They look else. like the early yeah. stages of the Chicago Blackhawks yeah. when they were just making that step with the young players. Anyways, I'm going to have to interrupt you guys. It's a, it's a great discussion and we're certainly uh, we're going, to, we're going to keep pursuing it uh, uh, as much as we can. Uh, but uh, we've got to go to break and we're going to be talking after the break with Marv Levy, legendary Buffalo Bills coach, legendary Montreal Alouettes coach and this week, most importantly, Cubs super fan. Marv Levy uh, is a big, big Chicago Cubs fan and what a win for the ages this week. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal game series and Game 7. In spite of the manager at the Game 7. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Anyways, we're, we'll go to break. We'll be right back with Marv Levy. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when they got up in my grill. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. You get two Ponzerotti with two toppings per, plus ten chicken wings, I say for sure. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. That's nineteen ninety nine. a deal, for real, a steal. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Yo, visit pizzaville.ca or pound 3636 from your cell phone, word. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. 
At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. And just a friendly reminder to our listeners, in case you've forgotten, we are back on Eastern Daylight Time. So hopefully you've uh, changed your clocks. Uh, we're welcome to uh, welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, former legendary Buffalo Bills coach, former legendary Alouettes coach, Montreal Alouettes. But more importantly, this week... Chicago Cubs superfan, Marv Levy. Good morning, Marv. Good morning. Great to be with you and with the fine fans there who are listening in. Thank you. Marv, listen, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Uh, You certainly, in in the Toronto area, you bring back incredible memories for us as uh, during your time with the Buffalo Bills and also with the Montreal Alouettes. But this week we want to talk to you about... uh, uh, something uh, something important, uh, that uh, significant that happened this week, which is, of course, the ending of the curse. The curse is over, and some people are calling this the greatest day in Chicago sports history. And you're a native of Chicago, and you're a huge Chicago Cubs fan, Marv. Uh, your your thoughts and uh, your reaction to uh, to the the great great Chicago Cubs victory. Well, yes. Now, you, you, a lot of the things you said are right on the right on the money. They are true. I grew up in Chicago. Was born here. Still have many, many family members here, children, grandchildren. So after I retired, I moved back here uh, and uh, resumed my days as a fan of the Chicago Cubs. I know many people in the organization, and I'm very impressed by by them. Not just their ability. Um, in in the uh, in handling the, a, a uh, franchise, but in how they conduct themselves, the Cub players, for instance, they they were always uh, modest. They weren't braggarts. Uh, uh, they're clean cut guys. They were team oriented. They never placed blame. Um, yes, I grew up a Cubs fan. My father taught me about that, and um, and believe it or not, uh, in. Um, October of 1945, the previous last time the Cubs had ever been to a World Series, I was, uh, World War II had just ended about a month before. I was in the U.S. Army Air Corps. I was home on furlough, just 20 years old, and the Cubs won the sixth game of the World Series. And so a friend of mine and I hurried down to Wrigley Field, hoping we could buy a ticket for the seventh and final game. But the line was out of sight. Fortunately, the Cubs administration 
<clears throat> excuse me, moved everybody in uniform up to the front. So I got a ticket for that last game. The Cubs lost it. Um, they hadn't won it since 1908. But we all thought, wait till next year. Well, next year happened to be 71 <laughs> years later. That's this year. Uh, and the Cubs finally returned to the World Series. And and what a day it was in Chicago. The the party, the parade, they, they say, I think it's an exaggeration, that there were 5 million people along the way and in uh, downtown Grant Park to, to, to greet the Cubs. But it was, I think it was, the most meaningful day in the history of Chicago sports. Marv, it's uh, Naz here. Uh, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fine, thank you. Uh, uh, the uh, parade, speaking of the parade, uh, you weren't in the parade as we, we were discussing yesterday, but uh, how did you, I guess they have to go by your place to, to, get, to get through on the parade. Yes, uh, my wife and I live along a place called Lakeshore Drive, uh, which is uh, on, on uh, Lake Michigan. Uh, and uh, the parade started not too far from here. Wrigley Field is not too far from where we live. And uh, they proceeded along Lakeshore Drive to downtown. And, of course, we had television on as well. And uh, But we could see the parade uh, move on by, and then it went on downtown. We viewed the rest of it from uh, uh, on television, rather, from the frenzy of uh, <clears throat> what those crowds would have made. But it was just a remarkable celebration. And I mentioned a little bit earlier how proud I was of how the Cubs players and organization conduct themselves. And that filled over to me to the fans in Chicago who were so deserving because there were no riots, there were no broken windows and drunken brawls. It was just a celebration of uh, a great day in the history, sports history of the city of Chicago. We're talking to the legend Marv Levy. Marv, uh, you're such a, a noted uh, Cubs fan, and uh, thank you very much for sharing that memory that you were actually at the uh, the last uh, Cubs World Series in 1945, if I'm not mistaken. That's qu- that is right. Pretty remarkable, and you were a serviceman at the time. Um, and you were honored. Um, it was it was fitting, and it was it was lovely that the Chicago Cubs honored you during the uh, during Game Three. And uh, tell us how that came about and what that meant to you. Well, yes, <clears throat> it certainly meant a lot. As I say, I know a few people in the Cubs organization, and um, and when the Cubs got to the World Series, I did mention to them that I was home on furlough and in service uh, uh, at the, right at the conclusion of World War II. And they said, oh, well, at every game, we honor a service veteran. And what would be more appropriate than someone who's at a former World Series that's been a lifetime Cubs fan? So uh, it was at that game, the third game of the World Series, the first one here in Chicago um, during this past series, that uh, I was so honored to be brought in uh, in the middle of the fourth inning, after the first half of the fourth, they do bring you out onto the field, introduce you, give you a little, give the crowd a little synopsis of your background and your Cub ties. And uh, so it was a delight to be there at the game with the Cubs fans in my hometown, uh, honored to be recognized and uh, with a wave or two at the fans. And I gave them, flashing that uh, Winston Churchill V for victory sign. <laughs> Maybe that helped propel the Cubs. Who knows? Marv, there's there's two uh, teams, uh, one the Toronto Maple Leafs and the other the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. That uh, how would I know what it'd be like if Toronto won the Stanley Cup here? It'd be similar to the Chicago Cubs. How about the Buffalo Bills? You were there as a coach. How would it be for the Buffalo Bills to win a Super Bowl? 
Well, there would be <clears throat> it would be a very comparable experience, of course. Uh, all our great Buffalo Bills fans, and they include not just the city of Buffalo, but Western New York, and so many of the fine fans who come from Canada. I think Mr. Wilson once told me about 20% of the people who kept coming to our games were from uh, Canada. Uh, it, it would be as meaningful a, a situation for them uh, to win the Super Bowl, I'm sure, as it is to the people of Chicago for having won that World Series. Uh, the, fan, the good fans all know we had gone to four consecutive Super Bowls and uh, turned out to be the impossible dream in terms of winning one of them. But, uh, again, it was a great example of a group of people with great uh, persistence, and that included the fans who helped to spur our team, motivate our team to fight their way back into that quest. Uh, Marv, uh, there's there's a part of this story that I uh, I want to I want to um, ask you about, and um, uh, doing a little bit of um, you know background reading about uh, about the Cubs in this week, and 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 wanted to uh, I thought about it's been a hundred and eight years, and and it just hit me it just hit me that um, there are entire generations of people who were born in Chicago lived in Chicago, died in Chicago, that never saw the Cubs uh, win a World Series. And then I, I saw a headline in the Chicago Tribune from a couple of days ago, and this was the headline, Loved Ones of Deceased Cubs Faithful Bring Mementos to Grave Sites. And that's a story I've never, ever seen in the sporting world. And, the, and it's just, there was an aspect of this victory that was deeply emotional, aside from the sporting part of it, it was deeply emotional to a lot of families in the Chicago area, and that includes you, because you, your father, who was a World War I veteran, won a Purple Heart, and your, your, your father Sam and your mother Ida, uh, they, were, they were big Cubs fans, and, uh, and I, I believe I read that you would have loved to have seen your dad uh, see a Cubs victory. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, that's true. I told you as a young boy I was a Cubs fan, and the, the person that steered me there was my father, who was a great fan uh, of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, um, he was eight years old the last time the Cubs won the World Series, so at least he had gotten to see one back then if he even was aware of it at that, at that young age. But uh, he made me a Cub fan. He took me to the game. My mother uh, was excited about it. She didn't know baseball very well, but she'd always, she, she loved the announcers, so she'd always have it on the radio. Um, and uh, it was very meaningful. And as you pointed out, many people realized that their parents had been the ones who had made them Cub fans here in Chicago, and there were many placements at the graves of people. My father had been a great fan. My wife's father, who's passed away too, uh, Ted, he had been a great uh, Cubs fan. So we all thought about them as well, that this was part of, uh, of uh, the tribute to them. Uh, uh, Marv, we'll, we'll let you go. Um, I know it, uh, we really appreciate uh, you taking the time. We'll just finish it off going about Cubs fan. And the one, the one gentleman that pa- passed a while ago who was synonymous with the Chicago Cubs was, of course, Harry Carey. And uh, he passed uh, a while ago. And there was the infamous, infamous quote from Harry Carey in 1991, uh, which was that uh, just as God makes green apples, uh, the Cubs will one day be in the World Series. And... Uh, they took pictures of Harry Carey's gravesite this week, and it was flooded with green apples. And certainly, he's missed. And uh, a lot of this, a lot of people thought about him 
uh, oh, yeah. when the and Chicago he was Cubs so much won. Part of the fabric of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Harry Carey, his wife Dutchie, uh, were very good friends of my wife Fran and me. We had got to know them. Uh, we go, used to go to their restaurant often. Uh, he invited me on occasions to come out and sing that seventh inning stretch, take me out to the ball game with him. And um, he, he is certainly a legend in town, and, and people remember him. Yes, he, the, the Chicago Cubs uh, aren't the full Chicago Cubs unless Harry Carey is remembered. Marv, this is uh, Lou Franciscetti, old uh, NHL alumni player. Uh, on the lighter side of things, who's a sweet little old lady that's always behind the uh, Chicago Cubs uh, dugout, and how old is she? Because I'm wondering if she survived all of this uh, parting with everybody else. You know, I, I do not know. I don't want to fake it. I, I, I don't know the details of it, so <laughs> I'm going to let you research that elsewhere. Okay, uh, Marv, um, it's, it's, it's always a privilege and a pleasure for us to, uh, for you to, to, have, uh, to come on our show. You, uh, you bring back a lot of really fantastic memories. For a lot of us in the Toronto and Southern Ontario era, area and also, of course, Western New York, where we have some listeners, um, great memories of your time with the Buffalo Bills and also with the Montreal Alouettes. And uh, I know you're over 90 years old, but you're young, uh, young as ever, and uh, we really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you for your kind comments, for uh, letting me visit with you today. And uh, go Cubs. <laughs> Uh, I'll have to say, go Alouettes. I'm afraid I might antagonize some people in uh, <laughs> Toronto by saying that one. So, Marv, before I let you go, I do have to get something off my chest, and it's uh, I, I actually I actually said this. I was coaching minor hockey about 20 years ago, and it was just before a championship game, and I was sitting around with my kids. I think that we were we were about nine, ten years old, and I said. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? And I'm going to say that right now to you, Marv, because that's a Marvism. There's no place I'd rather be than right here, right now, having interviewed Marv Levy. Thank you so much, Marv. Well, thank you. Very complimented. It is a pleasure. Thank you again. All right. Thank you. Oh, I turned off the button by mistake. I must have been so excited. Um, what a class, class man. You know, I mean, uh, he's they, got everything together still. Uh, he's really good. You know, it's it's. I, I think this is the second or third time we've interviewed him, and uh, the thing they they forget about Marv Levy's he's um, he's he's just a classy gentleman, uh, a graduate, a master's of I can't remember English or history at at Harvard, and uh, tremendous, tremendously, tremendously accomplished, but gracious, and class, and uh, certainly a pleasure. Uh, we're going to go to break, and we'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked, Do you want to meet the hot Hawaiian of your dreams? This hot Hawaiian is slathered in bacon, red onion, spicy sausage, pineapple and hot banana peppers. A medium thin crust is just $12.99. One bite and you'll say, Lew, wow! You might even get a lay on the beach. Call Pizzaville at pound 3636 on your cell phone. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. 
the best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village and it is 9.38 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. You're starting time. to sound like Brian Williams again, <laughs> Wally. Well, you know what? It's uh, Got to remind the listeners what uh, what time it is, Naz. Uh, especially Zoomers where uh, the memory ain't what it used to be. <laughs> We're not... We're not we're not as sharp as we used to be, but talking about uh, we want to uh, obviously a, a great great uh, interview with Marv Levy. Um, it's, it's really wonderful to see how well he's uh, how well he's doing, and certainly uh, beloved beloved individual. Very in, popular, very popular in the Buffalo and uh, Southern Ontario. Louis, you regions. were around. Louis, you were around in Buffalo when uh, the Bills were at their peak, weren't you? What years were they? That was uh, ninety one, ninety two. They were. They were good teams. Buffalo had great teams back then. Well, they had, they had yeah. They, they and they started from their middle on up. They had the great running backs with uh, with Thomas uh, Kelly. They had the great receivers, uh, and they had a, a solid defense with Bruce Smith and Cornelius Bennett. Uh, and they had an all around team. Really, I guess we look back and uh, the first of four was really the only one that they had a legitimate shot of winning. The other three, yeah. they were blown out and they were they were beaten badly in, in some in, in different fashions. Yeah. yeah, Dallas beat them and Washington beat them. And, uh, the Giants, well, they should have won. Twice. They, they should have won the that Giants. game against yeah. the Giants. Yeah, yeah. they should have won that game. And uh, you know what? Um, what are you going to do? Anyways, it's uh, called history. It's called history. Louis, um, I know you want to get a couple of parting shots in about the World Series. And before we move on to, uh, we've, we want to talk about the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, coming up, ceremonies coming up. But uh, let's let's have a really brief chat Um I'll, I'll start off this way. The Chicago Cubs won the World Series. Um, 
in Game 7. It was a fabulous Game 7, rain delay and everything. But thank, thank, thankfully for Joe Madden, uh, they won that game. Because if they didn't win that game, they would have been talking about his managerial performance forever. Am I right or wrong? Well, you know what? Uh, I was listening to the show last week, and uh, my cohort here, Naz, uh, I called what, the, what are you I, thinking? I called what, Cleveland you, to, you, do it, to win. Yeah, you called Cleveland to win yeah. down so up 3-1. It's, so but it's, so it's ridiculous. It's because not the ridiculous. Cowboy, it's a call. Are you going to give me my two minutes? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, I make one. You guys have never played at this level. Give me my two minutes, okay? okay. Guys, I've been at the way, situation. You never, you, you never played Major League Baseball. No, I never played Major League okay. Baseball. But Go my ahead. heart's been broken about four or five times playing against the Islanders, 3-1 up in that series, and them coming back and taking us to a seventh game and then losing in seven periods. Okay. I, I've been up two games to nothing in a five-game series. Were you in that series. famous Pat yes, I was. Game? Okay. Yeah, he was. Okay. okay, and your point is what? My point is... You never count any teams out. That, that's the problem when listening to Naz make that. And then he I, makes a comment where, where Joe, Joe Madden is a, he's under or overrated as a manager. Well, he took the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Tampa Bay Rays. Did you see the pitching staff? The Tampa Bay Would you let me get my two Rays. minutes in, please? Okay, let him finish. He took a Tampa Bay uh, Rays team that had nothing. The lowest payroll in baseball for the last eight to ten years. They had a pitching staff that was great, but they're they're, they're uh infielders and their offers there were nothing compared to what he's got now he goes to the to the cubs okay three of the four me... years before that they ended up in the bottom five so now epstein comes and reloads the team sure he makes a bonehead move but a lot of us make bonehead moves yeah that's true right doesn't uh show Sh- walter make a bonehead team. kansas city royals had a low paying squad too and they won the world series i don't hear everybody saying he's a great manager the manager of the kansas city royals it happens all the but time. But he's done it with he's done it so many years with baseball. Tampa. He's done it. Think that he th- had three losing that, records okay, with then Tampa. I, then I'm gonna. I, okay, he barely won on. in his last season. He won 67 games with Tampa. Yeah, what about the other years? He I'm took a team saying, to the World I'm not Series. Saying he's not a good manager. I think he's overrated. He's that's not all. the Messiah. He's not the Messiah. Okay. I didn't say he was the Messiah. Yeah, yeah I just say. But I'm just saying he's not. He might be overrated. Great manager. Okay, guys, guys, But what he did. He made one bonehead move. If he hadn't taken he Chapman out. He made two out, bonehead moves. He bunts on, a, on, a, on strike two and with the to, bases to be loaded. Fair, to be fair, Lou, um, okay, I mean, obviously you can't judge a manager just based on one game. I, 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 from that point of view, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you. I think, I think we can all agree that John Madden is a Joe. good uh, – Joe Madden, sorry. Uh, Joe Madden's a good manager. But he has this reputation of being the Messiah. Um, you know, his, the history books. The history books will figure that one out. Uh, he's certainly a highly talented manager, and, and certainly yeah. a highly, he's, highly. He's in high demand. Yes, he is. There's no question yes. about it. And 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 I started off just by making a statement, not saying that if the Chicago Cubs had lost Game Seven. And, and if you had read the reports after the game, I, I was reading the tweets during the game, and they couldn't believe what he was doing. If they had lost that game seven, he would have had a lot of explaining to do, quite frankly. Well, quite frankly, okay? yeah, because of the move that and, he made and in this game is six. game seven. This yeah. is game seven of the World Series of a team that hasn't won in 108 years. Okay? So he, 
you know, he, he's, I don't want to use the word lucky, but you know what? The, the, the dice came up in the right direction for him because he would have had a miserable offseason if the Cubs had lost that game. And you have to agree with me on that. I, I, I agree with you to a certain extent. Okay. But now, what, what, Tony, what Terry Francona did, who would have, would, would Mr. John Gibbons have thought of bringing in your, your closer with, in the fifth or sixth inning and going two or three in, uh, innings? No, I, think I don't think so. I, I don't think so either. Okay. I agree. So Joe, Joe Madden more or less just copied him. And I guess the stars were aligned properly. Because when you yeah. when you blow a three or four run lead, you really don't deserve to win the uh, the baseball game. It's just like blowing a three or four goal lead like junior, uh, like, like Team Canada uh, juniors did a few years ago to Russia. You don't deserve to win the ball game. But it was just one of those things that the Cubs in the last two games finally played the kind of baseball that they won 103 games with. They didn't need a closer. They didn't need a bullpen because they're stars. you got your Bryant, Rizzo, Anderson, Baez, all those guys finally came to the forefront and they stepped up. If they hadn't, they wouldn't even won game six. We, this, we wouldn't even talk about this today. Anyways, let's move on from um, – let's, let's just finish off this heated discussion by saying – I think we're all happy the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. I would have been happy with, I, happy with either for, team. I'm happy with for the people in Chicago. I'm happy for Marv Levy, 108-year curse. And I'm, and I'm happy for Steve Bartman. Okay? The curse, finally. And How he's, about the goat? And, he's, and, he's re- and Steve Bartman has resurfaced. I, I, I was checking out some of his tweets this week. He's thrilled to death that the Cubs finally. And you know what? He can finally get this monkey off his back because he was. Just yeah. think of Cleveland. They won. They went to the World Series with an outfield of Coco Crisp, <laughs> Roger Davis, and uh, I can't recall the other kids. Geiler. Yeah, in the outfield. Can yeah, you well, imagine? Chisenhall. Chisenhall. Chisenhall is not bad. But they, uh, they went it? to the World Series with that outfield. So yeah. pitching is a big thing in, uh, in well, baseball. You've you got to look at Cleveland and Chicago could be back there next year. If Carrasco, if Salazar come back healthy... If Brantley, like I'm watching the World Series, is those guys? They never mentioned Michael Brantley once. He's a left-handed bat that's in, that's missed the whole, uh, other than the 16 games he played at the start of the year. Imagine what he would have done in that lineup. And you got Salazar, like, anyways, guys, and, and, and Carrasco as fireballers. Uh, I want to move the topic into a different direction. We'll, uh, I think we've uh, taken our shots at baseball and uh, <laughs> the season's done. And Lou, you got your parting shots in, so the world can move on. Can we talk about Ed- Edwin and uh, Jose leaving? No. though? no, we're not going to talk hear about Jose's that. Jose's right going now. to New York. There's a there's no, a there's no. a topic of discussion. <laughs> we know that's and, not happening. There's a topic of uh, discussion. Naz and I uh, started, and it's created a little bit of a little bit of heat. Um, and it's it's uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame is having its induction ceremonies. Uh, is it next week, Nez? Yeah, it's next week. Next Monday night. Yeah. Um, and last year we had a discussion, and the big topic of discussion was Eric Lindros. Were you around for that one last year, Lou? No, I wasn't. Our Lindros discussion. No. Anyways, I uh, I was always of the theory that uh, Eric should have been in the in the Hall of Fame, and uh, the committee. Uh, uh, finally, uh, in its infinite wisdom, decided that he was going to be admitted as, long, as well with uh, Sergei Makarov and Pat Quinn and uh, Rogi Vashon, who Punch Imlek once called a junior B goaltender. But uh, anytime you have Hockey Hall of Fame discussions, the discussion always seems to go to who's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame and who should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And... Um, there's two, two, two people that always constantly 
get um, um, are always in the debate. And uh, I mean, before I even go to that, uh, one of my criticisms of the Hockey Hall of Fame over the years is you know certain people are going to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame, they're not well, and you wait till after they die. And that was the case with Pat Burns, and to a certain extent it was the case with Pat Quinn. Pat Quinn was certainly deserving to be, and he should have been in, in the hall a long time ago, Naz. Pat Burns should have been in the hall while he was still alive. And there's two people who are getting up there that have played crucial roles in Canadian hockey from two totally different perspectives who are not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Of course, and one of them we talked to on the air on September 28th, 2014, which was a certain anniversary of a 42nd certain 42nd anniversary. Yeah. Uh, that particular morning we had on the air, uh, Paul Henderson and, and Phil Esposito. And if you're interested in listening to that interview, it's on the Zoomer radio website, September 18th, 2014. September 28th. 28th, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Paul Henderson, Donald S. Cherry. Um, I'm astounded that Donald Cherry is not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I don't get it. Uh, Paul Henderson is not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, we chatted with him on the air about it. He didn't particularly feel that he deserved to be there. Uh, there's arguments both ways. Uh, interestingly, interestingly enough, Paul Henderson is not in the Hockey Hall of Fame, but he, he is in the International Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, those are two controversial uh, topics, uh, two controversial, not people in the, in the sense, but their admission is controversial. Um, I'll turn it over to you, Naz, in terms of your sense of and your opinion of whether Paul Henderson or Donald S. Cherry should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And then, Lou, I'm going to ask you for your assessment, and then I'm going to pipe in with mine. And I'm also going to offer the listeners an opportunity to call in if they wish. I'll read out the numbers. 416-360-0740. I'll give you those numbers again. 416-360-0740. You're welcome to call and share your thoughts on... Uh, Donald S. Cherry or Paul Henderson, or if you want to talk about our Marv Levy Chicago Cubs interview, you're welcome to do so. Mr. Marchese, well, Paul my, Henderson, my, Donald S. Cherry are not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Is, what you say. The Hockey Hall of Fame, what, what is the definition of the Hockey Hall of Fame? Is it Canadian? Like Don Cherry in Canada is the number one announcer or uh, media guy. And he did a lot for, to, to build the game in Canada, which it didn't really need to be built. But he, he, he helped it quite a bit. And I think if guys like Rick Jennerette, who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame in the broadcasting category, then Don Cherry as a broadcaster should be in the Hall of, uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. Paul Henderson, uh, you know, you look at Vladislav Tretiak. He never played in the NHL. If you look at his stats in the Canada-Russia series, his save percentage was like 860. And he, was, he led in a lot of goals during that Summit Series. And he's in the Hall of Fame. And Henderson was the hero, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. So I'm just wondering what the criteria is to get into the Hall of Fame. If the criteria was set 
said both of them should be in the Hall of Fame. What say you, Lou? I really don't have much to say on, on either side of it. Uh, That's unusual. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, I know with, with, with Paul Henderson, uh, it's a flip of the coin, so to speak, because everything that he done when he played in the National Hockey League wasn't isn't up to the uh, isn't up to the standards of the Hall of Fame committee. But what he did in the international stuff was scoring the biggest goal in probably uh, in international and National Hockey League history. It probably should be. Again, that's. You know that's for them to figure out. The Donald S. Cherry, it's more or less. I think that there might be a, a mark against him because he is so opinionated, and he's probably rubbed a few people the wrong way, and uh, maybe that's the only reason that that is keeping him. He is, he is an icon. You know, people leave. Uh, I've been up in the gondola a few times, and people, the guys up there, they actually leave what they're doing in between periods to go listen to what he's gonna say, uh, because usually it's something. Is going to come out of his mouth the wrong way that, that are going to rub people the wrong way. So, uh, again, it's really, uh, I'm not much one that's going to say well, who should and who shouldn't be in. There's a lot of people that aren't in there right now that have that have scored 500 goals, and we think that that's the line to, to get into the Hall of Fame. You're talking about Patty Verbeek and uh, Dave Anderchuk, uh, players that, 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 that maybe they don't have the, the stats, but they do have the, the so-called... Uh, 500 goals, just like baseball has. There are 500 home runs and 300 wins as pitchers and, and outfielders, or 3,000 hits uh, for the standard to get into the Hall of Fame. So, uh, you know, that's going to be up to them to decide on when he's going to get in. Uh, uh, I think sooner or later, Paul Henderson will get in. It's just a matter of when. And, and Donald Cherry, it's more or less again how many people he's wrong the rob uh, he's rubbed the wrong way. Uh, once again, our numbers are 416. 416- Three six zero zero seven four zero, one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. My analysis: Donald S. Cherry is the easy one. Um, he absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. He's uh, not the youngest guy anymore, although he obviously appears to be in the greatest of health and could be around for a long time, and hopefully will be around for much for a, a long time. Um, but he, there's no question he should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, and the only reason I can think that he's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame is that exactly as you say it, Lou, there are a lot of people, uh, I call them the elite, uh, either the elite in the media uh, or the elite at the Hockey Hall of Fame or the elite in... Um, amongst owners or whatever that seem to be making these decisions. But I think if you ask the fans, I don't think, I don't think you'd have any issue. There wouldn't uh, be an issue. There's a split amongst fans too. I, I, yeah. I think there's a, there's a split amongst fans in the sense that perhaps a lot of people don't agree with um, a lot of the things he says because I don't agree with a lot of the things that he says. I don't agree with a lot of the stereotypes that he used to use in the old days about Russian hockey players and Swedish hockey players. I think he's, he's, he's evolved to a certain extent as well. I, I don't think he's as... Um, um, uh, I, I think he's toned down certain opinions in certain areas. Um, but I think you have to separate what you think about his ho- about his hockey opinions from what his effect has been. And whether you like it or not, and you and you said it, Lou, he's like, when you go to an arena, he's like a Pied Piper. It's like everybody gravitates towards him. Everybody listens to him. 
Uh, he's, you know, if you're, if you're to ask or have a poll of the top five most recognizable Canadians, I don't think there's any doubt, unfortunately. This may, be, this may, some, may say something about our country more than so than about Donald Cherry, but I don't think there's any doubt he'd be considered one of the most recognizable Canadians. He, be, he might and be in the top if, two. If not yeah, in the top, top two. One. He might be in the top so, two. Uh, and he's been popular. Um, I don't see any reason, given, given how he has become such a figure in the game and in the media, uh, I, don't, I don't see the argument other than you don't like his political views to keep him out of the Hockey Hall of Fame. I, I don't get it. I, I just don't see it. Uh, he's, I mean, Harry Niels, deservedly. I'm going to mention some names, and, I'm, and these are not criticisms of the people that are in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Harry Niels in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, there's lots of other broadcasters that are there. Has anybody been more uh, influential than Donald Cherry in the, in the hockey media in the last 30 years? Right or wrong? Okay? Because we reasonable people can disagree about about a lot of his opinions about hockey, but is there anybody who's been more, more notorious? Uh, if that's a criteria, but um, I think I I truly believe he should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I disagree with a lot of things that he said, but he should be there. Personally, I don't think and he's sooner gonna, I, rather he, than later. I don't think he's going to get there. I just that's my personal I opinion. Just, I, I just think there's, there's a bunch of people on the committee that have a certain political bent, not, not liberal conservative. I'm not talking about parliament-type political bent. They have a certain point of view, and, and Donald Cherry, uh, it, it doesn't fit in that mold. He's a controversial figure. Uh, a lot of people do not like uh, some of the things he said. Uh, some of them have been borderline. I think he's had to apologize at certain times, and... I guess some people just don't think he's he's the right fit or the right mold for the Hockey Hall of Fame, and that should not be the criteria. It really should not be the criteria. Paul Henderson, he had a wonderful month of September. Uh, the one thing we forget about the Hockey Hall of Fame is it's not the Canadian Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, they've tried in the last 15, 20 years to make it more inclusive. Uh that's why we have women in the Hockey Hall of Fame. That's why we have Sergei Makarov in the Hockey Hall of Fame and Trechak and some of the great world stars. Um, Paul Henderson, you know, two weeks, a month, was him and Phil Esposito were the two greatest hockey players on the planet. Um, I could make that argument both ways. I personally think he meant so much to me for that one month and that one particular day is is the greatest hockey memory of my life that for that reason alone I would like to see him in the in the hockey hall of fame you know he played in in a series that changed the uh changed hockey for good I mean the Russian players came over all the Europeans came over it was a it's a different game now and it was that summit series that did it yeah and Henderson was a big part of it and uh, the other part about the other part about that summit series outside of uh, outside of uh, Canada and Russia, the rest of the world really doesn't know much about it. Uh, it was, it was, and the Russians are still. I mean, Putin's. Uh, he brought in all the uh, Russian guys at the Sochi Olympics. In fact, one of Phil Esposito's criticisms was the, the Russians who lost the series get treated better than the Canadian players do. And uh, uh, so Henderson, I'd love to see Henderson in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and Donald Cherry and. 
Paul Henderson's not in the greatest of health. Um, although last time we chatted, he was he was he was doing well. Man, guys, do the right thing. Put these guys in when they're still here to to uh, celebrate it with their families. Just do it. You know, don't wait until it's too late. Naz, I'll give you the last shot. Well, I I think both of them should should be in the Hall of Fame, and uh, it's uh, it's it's, it's really. Uh, Hockey changed with both of those guys. It really did. And Cherry promote, promotes hockey, and uh, he should be in it, especially in the broadcasting end yep. of it. Anyways, we're getting the cutoff signal. Lou, once again, thanks for joining us and providing us with your strong opinions on various topics. Always appreciate it. Got a little heated today, but we had some fun. Joe Madden, 20 games over 500. <laughs> Anyways, Naz, uh, have a fantastic week. I know a couple of listeners just called us in in the last minute or so to try and get on the air. I uh, apologize we couldn't get you on, but please, please uh, give us a shot next week. We'd love to get you on the air. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.